Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Rico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, as always, going to be starting off uh, with the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, I've got three great professionals here with me, uh, Pete Buchanan, Catherine Roberts, and of course, uh, my good friend Clint Wright. And then a little bit later on in the show, uh, I'm going to be joined by a gentleman who actually has very an interesting story. His name is Je- uh, Dennis Jordan, and he's referred to as the golf dude in the basement. Some of you may be familiar with him. Uh, some of you may not. A very interesting story. Uh, which, of course, I'll share with you on the second half uh, when he joins us. But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me tonight, and I'll introduce the panel here in just a moment. But let me remind everybody, of course, uh, Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 Central or 7 to 9 Eastern, or for those of you out in the West Coast, 4 to 6 Pacific, uh, we're here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, Obviously, uh, if you go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key, uh, type in Golf Talk Live or just extend it by a forward slash Golf Talk Live. That will take you to the link for the page. And, of course, tonight's show is front and center. For some reason, if you can't join us live during the broadcast, you can just scroll down to the on-demand section. And any time after the broadcast air, uh, you can go down there and find the recorded version and listen to them uh, in, your enti- uh, in its entirety. So uh, be sure to tune in, whether live or uh, afterwards, that's up to you. But uh, appreciate you for those that are tuning in live tonight. Got a great show for you tonight. Uh, also, if you want to speak uh, to any of the guests, uh, you're welcome to do so during our live uh, broadcast on Thursdays. The number uh, to call in, of course, is area code 646-716-4667. Uh, or you can certainly email questions to me or comments uh, to the show at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Also, two other media platforms that you can tune into. Go to itunes.com or stitcher.com, and just under the podcast section, uh, just type in, again, Golf Talk Live, and you can listen onto either of those platforms if if you choose to to do that. Also, uh, on social media, update on everything, uh, facebook.com, LinkedIn, and, of course, uh, Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle is tedandbuckceo. CEO, of course, is in capital letters. Um, as I mentioned, I've got three great uh, professionals uh, starting things off uh, tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. Let me just tell you a little bit about each of them, and then I'll bring them on the show. Uh, first up, of course, is Pete Buchanan. He's been on the show many, many times. He's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. Uh, he's been teaching for 30-plus years. Uh, he's been simplifying uh, his golf swing philosophy in an effort to make it simple, of course, uh, for you folks out there. Uh, and have a more enjoyable uh, enjoyable game. Of course, second up on the panel is Catherine Roberts. She's also been uh, on the panel and as a guest as well many times on the show. Uh, she's the founder and president uh, for Yoga for Golfers, uh, founder and president uh, Roberts Yoga for Baseball, and Roberts uh, Kinetic Yoga for Sports. As a certified yoga instructor, she's got 20-plus uh, years, uh, TPI, FMS, and NG360 certified, educated in PRI Nike Swoosh Elite Athlete, 
and advisory staff member for the Gray Institute Fellow Applied Functional Science and Chain Reaction Biomechanics. Last but not least, rounding out the panel, of course, as I said, is my good friend, Mr. Clint Wright. He's a 30-year member uh, of the PGA. He's also a partner at TGM Golf and a big proponent of the R3 approach and one of the best, in my opinion, uh, covering the short game today. And he's also one of my favorite guests and panelists here in the Coach's Corner. So without further ado, let me bring on the, the panel tonight, uh, Pete, Catherine, and Clint. Welcome, guys, to Coach's Corner. I'm glad to be here, Ted. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, got it all out <laughs> in record time, too. And hopefully oh, I didn't make job. any mistakes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, been doing it long enough. I guess you, you learn a few tricks of the trade. All right, guys, as I mentioned to you off air, and, and for those just tuning in uh, to the broadcast, uh, what we're going to do tonight, I, I've sort of put in a category, if you will, for, for each of you tonight that we're going to cover. Uh, Catherine, of course, is, is uh, one of our resident uh, golf uh, fitness uh, instructors out there, and obviously uh, yoga as well and uh, just has a plethora of knowledge in, in that area. Clint, as I mentioned uh, in the opening credits, uh, is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best in the short game. And uh, Pete, well, he's all the way around, but uh, he's just uh, a master at everything that he does. So lots of good things we're going to talk about. So I'm going to start off um, with you first, Pete. Um, everybody finds themselves, and, and, and if you've got an example that you want to use, uh, whether it be somebody... Uh, you know, on the PGA or LPJ tour, or if you want to use one of your own students, that's fine. But every once in a while, as, as a, a golf professional or as even an amateur golfer, we get into kind of a slump. You know, we've had a few good rounds early in the season, and then all of a sudden, we just can't seem to get anything together. What do you try to do? Let's start with your students, and then maybe some examples that you've seen uh, in, the, in the professional league um, that maybe you might want to uh, critique or make some comments on. But what do we do to break out of that slump? You know, ironically, for both sets of players, it's very similar. Um, you know, the my students, what I always do is go back to basics. You know, when they're in a slump and we go back to, you know, looking at their overall ball flight contact and making sure we've got the basics down, uh, understanding what they're trying to do, get the contact where they need it, and then also talk about on the golf course, you know, what types of shots are giving them trouble. Where, where are they finding, you know, where they're, they're going wrong. And I have a little scorecard that I'll give them at times, and it helps them track their game from every shot that they hit so we can get a good indication of, you know, where they're struggling and where that slump is coming from. But I think going right back to the basics is, you know, really really where it's at. I, I mean, I have a, a tournament player. is a little bit lower tournament player, as I say, not, not quite the, the European or PGA Tour, but, you know, very much the same thing. And it's going back to, you know, what are we trying to accomplish what are the goals we're trying to set as far as the impact goes each tournament that you're playing in each round that we're trying to play let's get back and you know me i'm always about simple let's get back to the simple basics of what you're trying to do and start from there and then that helps to bring them you know right back out of that slump and and go back and i know a lot of times when they're playing you know it can be something simple as you know they're reacting to the shots they see and the alignment gets off or the setup gets a little bit off and so they can't do the things they're trying to do. And sometimes it's very simple. We just set them back up where they should be, back to the basics, and shoot the impact turns around right away. So I'm always one to go back to the, the basic stuff we're trying to do and get them set, get them to understand what they're trying to do, and then move forward from there. Yeah, and great advice. And, you know, if you, if you listen to somebody, um, I just want to make a quick comment, and then I'm going to move on because we've got a lot to, to co- try and cover here tonight. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to Nicholas over the years, of course, one of the best, uh, in my opinion, in the game, 
uh, thus far, uh, obviously Tiger Woods as well. But um, one of the comments that Nicholas always talked about is at the beginning of the year, I mean, as great of a player as he was, he always went back to the basics. You know, he worked on his fundamentals at the beginning of each season, certainly worked on uh, throughout the season, but particularly at the beginning of the season. And here's, you know, a guy that's won multiple, multiple majors, has played golf all over the world at, at the highest level, um, but yet he still focuses on the very basics of the golf swing in order to make sure that he's well tuned up for whatever season that he was playing. So uh, great advice, uh, you know, for, for those that might be struggling, some of you maybe, uh, as I said, started off with, with a good season, um, but maybe you found yourself in a little bit of slump. So uh, certainly listen to, to what Pete just uh, talked about and, and apply that to your game. And I'm sure it's going to help. Um, Clint, uh, I'm going to jump to you next. Um, and, and I guess, again, as I mentioned earlier, um, you're one of the guys that I like to go to when it comes to the short game. And, and obviously solid wedge play is, is paramount for anybody's round. What are some of the key components um, that you can – and I know you don't have the, the ability to, to do a visual here, but uh, best you can. What are some of the key components to, to having solid wedge play? Well, it depends on, you know, where we're wedging it from. If you're talking about, you know, 100 yards in – uh, or up around the green is pretty much the same idea. Is is that if I've got a person that may be struggling with that, again, like Peter said, I'm going to take them back to the basic setup. Where's the ball position? What kind? Of, I want them to start thinking about trajectory. What do you know? Do they want to take it in low, or is it medium, or are they taking it high? In order to begin to develop, then like we talked a couple of weeks ago, their go-to shot from in there. Uh, practice you want to have the shot that they know they can be successful to go with and that starts with ball position and what kind of trajectory they feel comfortable with second of all I want them to begin to start swinging the the angle I want them to swing their arms instead of swinging the club and that helps them prevent or helps work out that little kick flip at the bottom trying to loft the ball with their hands so I get them to try to focus on swinging their arms, don't swing the club. And if they do that, the angle and the, and the momentum and the weight of the club will bring it on through uh, to try to get them to focus on technique with their body versus what the club is doing. And, and I find that even up around the edge of the green, they're chipping, whether it's with a wedge, 60-degree, little bump and run, same idea. We want them to start swinging their arms and not swinging the club head. Yeah, and that's a, as well, um, thank you for that. That's another great point that you make, Clint, because that, that is a, a problem that I see as well with a lot of amateur golfers out there is they, they get a little too wristy uh, with their right. wedge play. They're, they're really more focusing on, on the club as opposed to their um, arms, and you see a lot of that sort of scooping where they hit it you know, in, a little bit too in, in behind the ball, hit it fat and chunk it, and they just don't get solid wedge play. Um, Catherine, uh, I want to go to you next of course um and we're going to talk about some of the components of the golf uh, of golf fitness and one of the first things i want to start start with of course is is helping to get a, into a proper posture and also how important breathing is so maybe you can just touch a little bit about the importance of both of those areas and some maybe some general tips that you can do to help people ha- get into that good posture and why breathing is so important well you know, the way that I always describe posture is it's the foundation of your swing. And if you're starting out your swing in the static position of having poor posture, like a kyphotic thoracic spine, you know, rounded, a C posture, rounded shoulders, 
it makes it much more challenging to create an efficient, effective, and consistent golf swing. So posture right. is, is, is critical. It's just critical. Um, and so there, there are a couple of things that I always focus on with my athletes, and that is to make sure that there's enough mobility in the spine so that they can alleviate that C posture, but also enough strength and stability in the spine, the legs, and the hips so that they can maintain that posture. You know, remember that old, you know, your mother used to say, oh, stand up tall, you know, pull your shoulders back. Well, that lasts for about five seconds. That lasts for about five seconds if you don't have the ability to um, have, have the mobility to get your body in that position, but also the stability and strength to keep your body in that position. So um, actually on our website, we have a number of different fitness tips that, that target posture specifically. Now, breathing is, I would say, one of the key components that we teach. You know, people think about yoga and they think, oh, down dog. Everything we do is based on the biomechanics of golf, as well as Mm -hmm. the physical and mental. And breathing is the way that you can instantly, you know, reset your mind and also relieve your body of tension. So when you learn how to breathe properly, which most people don't breathe properly, you know, they're kind of like breathing like a hamster throughout the day. Have you ever watched a hamster breathe, (laughs) right? Like, Right. right? (laughs) They need to learn how to take long, deep, diaphragmatic breaths, incorporate breathing into their pre-shot routine so that before they begin their takeaway, you know, they can feel their traps relax and sinking down. They can feel the tension leaving their forearms and their wrists and their hands. And then you begin the takeaway. The other thing is, you know, you were talking to Pete about, about breaking out of a slump. Well, there's, there's also another piece to that, and I love what you said, Pete. The other piece, too, is about we're teaching our athletes how to be present, standing right over that shot. So you're not living in the past of that three-putt, walking to the next tee box, all angry about it, and then your body has all this tension, and you can't execute the shot efficiently. And so, you know, breathing, breathing ties into all of this in terms of the mental, in terms of the mental side, really. Yeah. And, and, and again, a great, great point. You know, we talked about actually, uh, I guess it was last week on, on coach's corner. It might've, yeah, it was last week uh, about the different postures and, you know, C posture, S posture and things like that. And a lot of people don't realize, as you pointed out, Catherine, that, you know, when you get into that, uh, incorrect posture, how it can actually affect your everything from your takeaway to your um, follow through, and and obviously uh, there's a lot of great breathing tech uh, techniques. And at the end of the show, obviously, uh, Catherine, I'm going to let you uh, everybody give out their their websites or or direct information so that people can find out more about uh, in more detail. But mm-hmm. um, you know, people need to understand that that breathing is a big component um, of having that relaxed mindset and also uh, physically being relaxed and in the moment. And if you're as you said, breathing like a hamster all the time, um, you're not going to be relaxed. Tension's going to uh, creep in, and you're not going to be able to be the best that you can be um, athletically. So, uh, great points. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Absolutely. You know what? Just, Pete, I'm going to. Here, here's just, here's just, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, here's just a no, quick please. tip for people. If they, if they lie on their back, bend their knees, put their fingertips on their rib cage, lightly on their rib cage. If you can breathe deeply enough that there's actual movement underneath your fingertips, so that your rib cage is expanding, the, I'm sorry, the diaphragm is expanding and contracting with each breath, then right there you're already doing something to create some type of breathing awareness. And if you inhale for a count of four and exhale for four and then increase it to an inhale of six and exhale for six, 
then at least you're starting to develop some awareness of your breath. And once you have awareness, then you can start to change. Yeah, yeah, well said. No, you're you're exactly right. And, you know, this is something that I know you've talked about in the show. Others have, that have been on as well uh, from the fitness area have talked about as well how important breathing is. And, and uh, we're going to, as I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the show, um, Catherine, to, to let the folks know where they can get more information about that from your websites and that. Um, Pete, I want to jump back to you again. Uh, we'll just, I think to, for, for simplicity of my part, I'm just going to go through the same order. I know I like to balance it back and forth uh, between uh, the professionals, but I think just to keep my sanity, if you will, through the panel discussion tonight, I'm going to go back in the same uh, chronological order. So, Pete, um, there's an important part of evaluating our students, but there's also self-evaluation as well that's key and critical as, as a golf coach and as a golf uh, teacher professional. Um, so, Touch a little bit on both, obviously, some of the things that you try to evaluate throughout the, the course of, of your coaching with your students. And then how do you self-evaluate yourself? I mean, what do you look at uh, in your own uh, mind, if you will, about how well you're doing with your students? Well, the evaluation really depends. You know, I'm, as I said before a couple of shows ago, I'm, I'm constantly evaluating um, and talking to the students. So when, the, you know, depending on how long it's been since I've seen them, I'm always you know, asking them different questions. Um, there's also, you know, one of the things I have on my website, I have a 53, 58 question, you know, profile that uh, I'll have some newer players fill out. And it really gives me a lot of details about their overall game and what's going on. But I'm always trying to evaluate where they are, what they're doing, how they're feeling. You know, one of the first things I always like to do when somebody comes for a lesson is I like to talk about them first because I want to kind of see how their day's been and, you know, so we get an idea of what kind of mood they're in. Um, you know, sometimes you've had a rough day. It could be a little bit of a rough start. So you always like to try to evaluate where they are, what they're doing, you know, what the last time they played, how's it going, what's the ball flight like, what are the things that are giving you troubles. So I'm constantly doing that every time I see them. And from my own part, um, you know, I have a little bit of a bonus because I spent so many years in the Jacob schools teaching day in, day out, and we, we evaluated each other. So you know, kind of the little quirks and things that you can fall into, we, we were able to help get out of there and, you know, making sure that, you know, when you're speaking to somebody, if it's a sunny day, you know, I always like to make sure I take my sunglasses off because I want to look them straight in the eye. Um, I always want to make sure that, you know, everything's, you know, set up clean, everything's in the right way, you're saying the right words, you're not stumping over your words, you're skipping around, you know, saying different things. And so from, you know, an evaluation point of just the presentation that I'm giving, but also from you know, how well are they hitting it? Um, you know, for me, I always have a, I have a five ball rule. If I haven't gotten in five balls, I missed it. Um, you know, so I've got to go back and reevaluate and say, what did I miss that they're not, you know, changing right away because I should be able to get them to do it within that many shots. If we've gotten to the root cause and, and get the ball flight to change right away for what's given them fit. So to me, it's, it's constant. I'm always evaluating. So I like to make sure that uh, I'm always in tune with what they're doing. You know, I have, you know, content spaces where I'm always sending them notes. You know, that's the beauty of, you know, having a, a smartphone and all the players' hands today. You can constantly be in contact with them and find out what's going on and what they're doing. So um, I try to do it uh, as often as I can uh, just to make sure we're always up to date with what they're doing. Yeah, and, and, and again, great point. And, and I think it is, you know, I like the fact that, you know, during your evaluations uh, and especially with new students as you're bringing them on board, you want to gather as much information up front about that particular student 
so that you're informed and you can kind of get a game plan, if you will, as to how you want to approach it. Because obviously, as we know, um, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's mindset's different. The way they receive information and the way they express themselves is different. And so having that information and finding out how they learn uh, is valuable. Um, and, and then giving them that feedback no throughout the process is, is extremely important. Um, thank you, uh, Pete, by the way, for that. Clint, uh, I'm going to jump to you next. Um, you, you kind of uh, fast forward a little bit and talked a little bit about chipping. So I'm going to roll two into one here. Um, I want you to just give a little bit of some chipping techniques that, that deliver. In other words, uh, how can we be a little bit better uh, chippers and, and what some of the techniques. And then I want you also to talk about um, where a player or how a player decides where to lay up. Um, obviously, we're not always going to be able to go for the green. Um, a lot of golfers don't know where to lay up. They don't understand the formula. They don't understand the process. Talk a little bit about that as well, okay? Sure. Well, in, in the chipping aspect, it it's always amuses me um, that in today's world, we've got all kind of range finders and watches that tell you how far away you are. And, but the closer we get to the green – the more detailed the game becomes and the less information we obtain. So <laughs> when people are beginning to have trouble chipping, the first thing I begin to get them to do is to determine how far away from the hole they are. Uh, we stand out there from 150 yards and try to figure it out, and we're up there around the green. We don't have a clue. So what I try to get the, the players to begin to understand, if they're 40 feet 50 feet away from the hole, and they've got X amount of feet between the green, then that might help them determine what kind of trajectory pattern they want to start playing the best odds shot they have. You know, obviously we all would encourage them if they're within a, a foot or two of the edge of the green, they most likely can use their putter. Um, you know, we I get into the, the thing, why do, you, why do you use a putter on the putting green? Because it produces the shots you're looking for. It rolls all the way. So if you can roll right. it all the way, you your putter. But, so they, but they have to have some idea of where that shot works best. You know, that putting stroke in American golf, anyway, is not going to work very good 8, 10 feet off the green. No. But you need to know that you're 8 to 10 feet off. You need to start determining what shots you do best from certain circumstances. And that takes a little practice, a little bit of discovery, and then begin, once you discover that, hey, if I'm within four or five yards of the green, I can hit my little bump and run eight iron and get better results than I can hitting a, a, a 60 degree. So then you gain some skill level with that shot. You back up. You, you start working, okay, where's my best chance with a, a 54 or a 55 or where do I need to use my 60 to give me the best chance based on how far away I am from the hole and how much distance I have between me and the green and, and also what's between me and that. You know, if there's a bunker in between, the bump and run is not going to work very good. But right. if, you're, if you've got some obstacles, you got to go there. And, you know, we, we look at, at, at that all the way through. Um, up until you got maybe a, a waist-high shot. That's when we would move into this layup idea you're talking about. Uh, so th does that make sense to you, that, that, that I would encourage people to know how far away they are, even if they're on the green with their putter? I think one, some of the best lag putters always know how many feet they have to go to the hole. They're not guessing. Yeah, I, I would agree. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think Clint chipping particularly, you know, you'll see somebody that'll, you know, be in, maybe in the first, uh, you know, in the fringe or something around the green and they'll get their, whatever club is their favorite club and they'll start chipping shots, but they don't step back a little bit. They don't try from different lies or different circumstances and they get up there and suddenly, you know, like you said, if there's a bunker in front, that, that technique might not work. So right. uh, they need to experiment. And chipping is an area that I think uh, can create some incredible – I mean, if you look at some of the best players in the world and you watch them around the green, um, how many of them will, in many, many cases, have increased chances of holding out off the green just because yeah. they've worked diligently oh. on that area of the green – are uh, on the area of the game where a lot of amateurs don't. Um, you know, if they're now, within, we, we don't want to. We don't want to get into talking about the third shot here again, do we? No, <laughs> no. We got to. We got to give some air time to Catherine here. <laughs> yeah, we no, we, you know, it's a third shot, folks. But you have to have, and, and the point you're making is, you need to have a choice of shots to play that you've worked on. Have right. some choices that right. you've worked on. Now, let's right. very quickly, where Catherine could get in here, tell you about laying up. You have to determine your go-to wedge shot, what you're good at. Where are you the best from? Is it 50 yards, 60 yards, 30 yards? Where is your bread and butter, I can get this shot up around the hole, swing? That, again, takes a little bit of time and effort and discovery to see where you're the most comfortable with the shot into there when you're laying up. Once you've discovered that, you do everything you can do to lay up to that number. That's what you do. You got. You that, have that to a, have that, that was a, head yardage that you've worked on, or you're just laying up in the dark. Yeah, I think that was a brick of gold there, Clint, that you just uh, instilled on everybody. Um, Catherine, I want you to jump in here as well. Um, well I've got the next I one for you. In. I need some help with my. I need some help with my chipping. That's where I want to jump in. Well, we're in <laughs> South Carolina. We had the eclipse overhead. You can just come visit anytime you want to. <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> All right, so so Catherine, um, let's talk. I'm going to throw two together for you as well, just because uh, for time and that. Um, first one is going to talk a little bit about cast, uh, cardiovascular endurance, um, obviously the importance there. And then um, actually I'm going to throw three in there, so you take a deep breath. You're going to have quite a bit to talk about here. Uh, first one is going to be cardiovascular endurance. Um, the next two together are going to be mobility and, of course, flexibility, and then rounding out stability and balance. So um, talk about the cardiovascular endurance part first and then into the mobility, flexibility, stability, and balance. Wow. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, I, you know, when I see golfers that are working on their cardiovascular Endurance, and I think of cardiovascular endurance. Endurance is two com- endurance, two completely different topics. Um, right. You know, it depends on where you live for cardiovascular endurance. You know, if you're playing somewhere where the the course is very flat, that gives you a different challenge than if you're playing in a course that is very hilly. So when I see a golfer that says, well, I'm working on my cardiovascular endurance and I walk at a level 3.0 on the treadmill for 45 minutes, I'm thinking that's not helping them at all. They may as well just lie in bed. You know, if you're working, if you are, if you, if you are on a hilly course, like I'll give you an example. I live in Scottsdale in the winters and Vancouver, Canada in the summers. And I think I'm pretty fit. 
But when I play golf in Arizona, which is mostly by using a cart, although I am walking a bit, and then I come up to Vancouver, Canada, and I have to walk up and down hills, transparently, guys, I'm huffing and puffing a little bit. So, so right. if you're going to work on your cardiovascular endurance, you need to do very short spurts of interval training. That's going to help you more cardiovascularly in terms of playing golf. Now, but when you talk about endurance on the course during your round, that's a completely different topic. One of the things we do with our athletes is we work a lot on lower body strength. Because when the lower body starts to break down and you start to get fatigue in your hips, and in your knees, and in your feet, and in your low back, I can tell you categorically the next thing that's going to go is your mental capabilities. When your body is fatigued, the mind follows. So if you want to work on endurance throughout your round, you really need to work on your lower body strength. Uh, That would be my answer to those two questions. In In terms of mobility and flexibility, you know, uh, my good friend Greg Rose, who, uh, who you know, is one of the co-owners of TPI with Dave Phillips, Greg has a great line, and he says, this is men versus women in terms of flexibility. He said, typically men right. are um, inflexible and women are unstable. And so <laughs> and you guys didn't laugh at that joke. I feel completely let down, <laughs> but I'll, I'll continue. I can laugh about it. That's okay. So, you know, so what happens is I'm going, to make a, I'm going to make broad stroke generalization that typically men, after especially a certain age, really need to work on their mobility, whereas women need to really work on more of their stability and strength. But I, ha- I can right. tell you that if you, have, if you have 15 minutes, five days a week, to work on one piece from a fitness perspective in your golf swing, it would be to work on your mobility. And, and, you know, I always, I always say this, and I've said this on the show before, Ted, it's like adherence over duration is the more important thing. I would rather have a guy mm-hmm. doing 15 minutes to 20 minutes of, you know, yoga for golfers stretches uh, five days a week than decide that they're going to go do some major workout on a Sunday for two hours. That's not going to work. And I yes. have seen guys with horrific back pain. And let me tell you something, by the way. I'm working with a kid right now who's 23. He's going to Q school. He has almost worse back pain than some 67-year-old guys I've worked with. So age is not necessarily a factor here. So right. work on your mobility. Even if it's something simple, work on your mobility. Now, we talk about stability and balance. Um, you know, there has to also be a balance of mobility and stability. Just like I talked about with posture, you can't just try to say, oh, I'm going to be more flexible without having the stability and strength to maintain a certain position. So they go hand in hand for me. Balance, I can tell you, is also something that you need to practice every day. And, and, and you know, when a client comes to me and they say, oh, most of my clients over the age of 60, 65, one of their biggest concerns is balance. So not just balance in your swing. I'm not a golf pro. You have these great golf pros on the show today. They can speak to balance in the swing. But I can tell you that balance is the thing that kind of keeps you in the game as you age. When you start to lose balance, I can tell you your world starts to get smaller because you're afraid of falling. So you start to look down when you walk, and everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So working on your balance, whether it be even just standing on one leg when you're brushing your teeth, 
is 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 a big deal. So I, it's hard for me to talk about all of these really important things in you know in five minutes, but um, I think they all work hand in hand. No, you did a fantastic job. Um, Catherine, and thank you for that. And and as I said earlier, you know, all of these uh, great tips and that, um, we're going to let the folks know at the end of the show where they can go and, and learn more about that. But this is really just, you know, guys, this is really just an opportunity through the, the panel discussions that we have here on the show. It's it just sort of give everybody a little bit of a snippet, um, you know, some valuable information that they can go home and think about. And, you know, when they're listening to the show and they can say, ah, you know what, that's a problem I'm having uh, is balance. And, I want to investigate that a little bit more because you're exactly right, Catherine, you know, especially as we get older. I mean, I'm in my uh, early to creeping up to mid fifties and, you know, I start to obviously notice things. I mean, I'm pretty good shape and I keep, uh, keep active in that, but you know, obviously father time or mother nature or whatever you want to label it. Um, you know, as time goes on, we start to notice things change in our bodies and, um, you know, going to the gym and, and working out for two hours just doesn't cut it anymore. Um, you've got to do other things as well. So, you know, thank you very much for that um, great advice. Pete, we're going to come back to you. Um, we're going to talk about the transition. This is something that I think, and I'm talking about in the golf swing, uh, you know, our, our players have taken a, a pretty decent backswing uh, in most cases, not every case. Um, but somewhere along the lines, you know, the old brain box upstairs isn't working and they don't know how to transition or that first move down. Talk a little bit about that. Um, as we see so many golfers kind of get disjointed and they start leading uh, with their upper body and, of course, all kinds of things. Talk a little bit about that and, and what you do at, uh, at some of your um, golf uh, instruction, what you do and, and to help uh, people in that area and that, that transition down from the, from the backswing. Well, a lot of that has to do with where they came from. You know, basically mm-hmm. what swings they had before and what ball flight they had before. And regardless of of what people want to think, you know, golf is a reaction game. And so many of them are going to react to the shots they've seen prior. So, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for somebody who slices the ball to the right to see him aim and swing left. I mean, that's a natural reaction. And so you have to get the ball flight to change to get those reactions to change. And you also have to go in and figure out, you know, what the cause is and why that's happening. And then how we take that out of there. Cause if I've got somebody who's, as you said, the upper body tends to turn, you know, you know, right away at the top, you're trying to get them to swing more left. Well, if you get them to hook in it, that's no longer necessary. So they're not going to do that anymore. So there's a natural thing that they see that they can begin to transition into a different motion. And and I've always said too, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had a classic one. I'll I'll never forget. I'll tell you a little story about how this transition works. We had a gentleman when I was doing the golf schools that I, he just had a four iron in his hand and I said, Hey, aim at the, you know, 150 yard side down the middle. And, And we were doing a training class for instructors and he aimed about 70 yards left of that 150 sign. And so I said to them, hmm. I said, well, what do you think he's afraid of? And he's afraid of going to the right. And so I asked them, what's the first thing you would do? And they all said, well, you got to square him up. And I said, well, that's the last thing I do. I, you know, I have a better chance of getting in the ring with Tyson than, than trying to square him up because he's <laughs> definitely afraid of going to the right. I said, why do you think he's aiming over there? Well, of course, the first ball curves off to the right. So I just went in and changed the reason why it was curving. You know, and then after about 10 minutes, he turns around and he says, well, you know, hey, this is great. They're all flying straight, but the target's over there. I said, well, now let's talk about aim. You know, so we had to, <laughs> you know, get the ball flying straighter. So then he's not afraid to turn more to the right to aim where he's supposed to and make the changes necessary. So 
you know, I'm a big cause and effect ball flight guy, and I use that tremendously to, to as an advantage to, you know, go in there and find out, you know, why are they doing the things they're doing? And then I think if we could change the ball flight, it makes it easier for them to react and get into those transitions and be able to make the transitions from the top of the swing back to the ball when they know the ball flight is going to help them with what they see and what they feel. Well said, Pete. You know, I, I'm like you, I'm, I'm a, somebody that believes in, in really looking at the ball flight uh, and I'm all for technology and I'm all for some of the, you know, many gadgets that are out there that can certainly help uh, coaches. But, um, you know, I, for one, I don't care how the person gets there. Um, if they're hopping on one foot and doing a loop at the top, as long as that ball flight's going where they want it to go, I don't care what their swing looks like. And I'm like you, I want to know where the ball's going and then I'm going to look and see why it's doing and why it's reacting the way it is. And you're right. Cause and effect. And so a lot of times I'll do the same as you as I'll look at the, where the ball flight's going and then I'll work backwards. And, you know, sometimes you don't have to change a lot. It might be one very simple thing. It could be the club face. It could be the grip. It could be, you know, a number of things, but um, I, I agree with what you just said. I think that it's very, very important that we look at what's, reactionary with the ball what's happening with the with the golf ball uh once it's been hit um and then sort of take a look and, and diagnose from there uh great uh, great point pete thank you um clint uh and i don't want a simple answer for this <laughs> and i'm hoping you're going to give me uh i don't necessarily want you necessarily to be long in the tooth but give me something more than than this but you know we all get the the yips every once in a while uh on the putting green uh, we've yeah. seen it at the professional level. We've seen it at the amateur level. Um, what do we do to overcome that? Uh, it, it happens to all of us at some point. Uh, what do we do? Well, First off, what causes it in many cases, and what do we do uh, to, to sort of uh, cure the yips? Okay. First of all, we never allow them to call it the yips. It's not a disease. <laughs> exactly. <Okay? laughs> all right. It's not a disease. They're making bad putting strokes. Period. Okay. So what mm-hmm. I try to do, I videotape them because I need to prove to them why this is happening. So we videotape them without a ball. We look at their stroke. Their stroke looks good. We put a ball down in front and they start doing gyrations. We know we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. If their putting stroke right. looks bad without a ball, then we've got a physical issue that we need to correct some technique. So we take a different approach. So, so let's address very quickly the, second, the first part of that scenario. Putting stroke looks good when there's no ball. When there's a ball there, the putting stroke, we'll, we'll let you call it, they're, they're having difficulty uh, with not mental issues. It's emotional issues. Generally speaking, they have, they have an anxiety at impact. They either right. decel or they, you know, got the little, you know, the, the, the jab look thing to it, we try to determine where that's coming from. Is their spine angle changing or whatever? So we use a number of different drills. And in today's world, we all, you know, all of us old guys, uh, we go to the claw to, to change the angle of the right hand. Because generally speaking, we see the jab, kind of the, the quick, you know, reflex stroke, which we want to all call that thing you called it. And so we try to take the risk from being a vertical angle to no no right. movement angle. 
we turn it sideways. That's why you get the claw grip. They're turning the wrist sideways so it can't flip the putter. Okay? So that's one thing we go. We also work with real simple drills of the closed eye drill. We don't want them to see the ball at impact. We want them to get the feeling they're stroking through towards the target. Most people that have the yips, if you want to call them that, have severe <laughs> impact anxiety. Right. Okay? So then you have to try to change their target. It's not the ball. We all know that the ball is simply an implement of the game. It is not the target. So we work dramatically on changing their attitude towards what their target is and give them a different different definition of what they're putting at. And you see it now, with, like with Jordan Spieth. He looks at the hole sometimes. Well, because that that's an impact issue. He, he's looking at his target. Um, I remember years ago, uh, some of y'all may know this name, Coach Conrad Railing uh, from Alabama and Florida, you know, used the one-hand drill a lot with his players. You know, we're, we're not going to let, you know, we're not going to do anything but move it with one hand. He'd go from the left hand to the right hand, back and forth, you know, and decide which one of those do you use to control the putter because that's the one you want to focus on. Where do you feel the best with it? Um, and then the the other thing that we do is to get the players to understand pace and rhythm in their putting stroke. The one that I have found that I use and I use, I think, the most successful is simply to get them focused on never changing their grip pressure. I want them to focus on maintaining grip pressure the same all the way through the stroke. And I don't care if they death grip it before they start. Just don't change it. Again, changing the objective of the stroke. What am I trying to accomplish here? Well, I don't want my grips changed, okay? Because I think Catherine will agree, tension in your game is as much emotional as anything else. Mm-hmm. All right, so if I can maintain and control my emotions, which then is going to control that grip pressure, I'm going to develop, develop much better rhythm through the impact area of the ball and putting. And it's it's complicated and difficult. You know, I'd much better much rather have somebody that just can't move the putter well than somebody that thinks they can't. Right. Um, well, and I and encourage that are having that trouble, try anything grip-related to change the angle of your right wrist if you're a right-handed player or change the angle of left-handed wrist. That will help you dramatically. It's obvious. We see... You know, young players, old players, all now using the claw of one variety of another on tour today. So there's got to be something to it. And and that's where we, we kind of start. But mostly begin dealing with the emotional issue of, of uh, impact anxiety. Yeah, and, and, you know, that applies really in the full swing too, Clint, because oh, a lot of players, you know, get that anxiety. You know, I can remember when I was quite a young lad, my father – when we would, you know, go up to the practice tee and, and, you know, he was for, first sort of teaching me the game and, you know, he said, okay, we'll take a few practice swings. And he said, that looks great. But then as soon as he put the ball down, you know, all kinds of funky things would be happening. And that was the same issue that I had was just that anxiety. Once the ball was in play, um, you know, then that nice smooth silky swing that I had seemed to disappear. Right. And it was kind of a, 
you know, so, you know so you're right. Uh, the reason that it changed is your objective changed. Right. Hmm. Okay. Your objective in that practice swing was to make that full swing and make it nice and smooth yeah. and easy. So whenever you're making that practice, that's why I put them on video. Their objective is just making a nice movement of the club and the arms. You put the ball in front of it, their objective now changed. Yours did too. Yep. It went from making that yep. smooth, silky swing to hitting that ball. You changed objectives. Yeah, And that's what exactly creates right. your problems with putting. Change mm -hmm. of objective. Well said. Thank you for that, Clint. All right, yeah. Catherine, um, let's talk about uh, core connection and the awareness and then also rotational torque and strength. Um, and then I'm going to have one more for you uh, after that. Um, let's talk about the core. Obviously, uh, good core muscles, uh, stability, and, and awareness of, of your core is, is critical not only for posture but also uh, for endurance as well. So talk a little bit about that, uh, connecting the core, if you will, and, and how important that is, and then um, developing some good rotational torque and, and strengthening that area as well. Well, you know, you, you, you bring up a really interesting point about the core. Um, I, had a, I had a gentleman that, that came to me. He was actually an orthopedic surgeon from Denver, and he was moments away from having back surgery. And he, he said, so I said, okay, so what's happening with you? And he said, well, I'm going to a physical therapist, and I'm working on my core. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And he said, I don't really know. I'm working on my core. Okay, this guy's an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. So, right. And by the way, he's brilliant, he's brilliant, and I'm not dissing doctors by any means. But, but what I want to point out is that there's a couple things you need to think about when you're working your core. The first thing is your core is all the muscles of the front of the body, the rectus, the obliques, the transverse, external obliques, abdominus muscles, as well as all the muscles of the back of the body, all the erector spinae muscles and uh, QLs, et cetera. But it also includes the glutes. So when you're working your core, you need to be thinking about all the muscles of the front body, the back body, and the glutes. The other thing is there's two pieces here that are very important in terms of core stabilization. And one is the activation of the pelvic floor, which is, we don't have enough time to talk about that now. But the other piece right. that everyone can start to incorporate right now is this concept of drawing your navel towards your spine. So if you imagine, mm -hmm. if you imagine that there's a, a string that's going from the inside of below your belly button and you're kind of pulling that string towards your spine, what that does is, is that activates what's called your transverse abdominus muscles and it acts as a girdle for your lumbar spine. So there's, there's this kind of external work of the core, but there's a much deeper important internal work of the core like I just described, is drawing the navel towards the spine. I actually coach my golfers how to do that before they begin their takeaway. And the feedback that I've gotten is that they feel much more stable and have much more power. So the, the core connection is very, very, very important, again, both externally and internally. Now, you talked about, you said rotational. Torque, yeah, and strength. Yeah, rotational, rotational torque and strength. strength. So, yeah, so rotational torque and strength, obviously what we're referring to here is this kind of what we call stretch and recoil scenario. So you have to have the ability from a flexibility standpoint 
to stretch the muscles if you think about like um, if you think about like a rubber band, right? So you need to stretch mm-hmm. the muscles of the last and the and the core, right? But in a nice tight stretch, and you need to be able to take it to the full end range of motion so it coils up properly so that you have this rotational um, what we call eccentric loading. So that you're able to go to the full range of motion to eccentrically load the muscles so that when you contract your muscles, you can concentrically explode. So it's, but here's the problem. One of the challenges when you think about someone that might have poor posture, rounded posture, yep. a lack of mobility, they have a, they're restricted in terms of being able to turn and eccentrically load the muscles so that they can explode and concentrically uncoil the muscles and the spine and the joints, et cetera. So um, they need to go hand in hand. I feel like a little bit of a broken record, right? You need to, you need to have that mobility and stability so that you can create this kind of rotational torque and load and coiling to be able to explode and generate power. Yeah. I mean, you know, Catherine, one of the things too, that when I was listening to the first part, when you talked about the core connection and I thought about our conversation that we had on the panel discussion uh, in the previous week uh, about the different postures. And one of them was the S posture. And, you know, one of the coaches, you know, made the comment that, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, earlier on were told, you know, to sort of stick your, your butt out uh, when you get into your posture. And for a lot of golfers, that creates that, that uh, sort of curvature in the spine um, that actually goes in. So it's almost like a reverse C. And when you were talking about the, the core uh, connection in that and, and that, um, you know, sort of drawing that belly button back towards your spine, I find when you do that, uh, that particular drill, that that actually helps alleviate uh, a lot of those S posture uh, in, the, in the golfer's spine because now it's taking that uh, and strengthening that area of the back um, by doing that. And I'm sure you've probably noticed that as well with a lot of your uh, students that you're working and helping, right? Well, absolutely. And so that, that concept of drawing the navel towards the spine and actually it's below your navel and above your pubic bone towards the spine is something that's very subtle. It does not bring you into a posterior tilt, which is what we don't want golfers to do. We want them to have a shacked spine so they have a consistent spine angle throughout their entire swing plane. So when I say drawing the navel towards the spine, I don't mean tucking your hips under, right? It's a very subtle right. thing. It's about 25% intensity. That's a very important distinction because it's a very, very quick tip here would be to have somebody lay on their back, knees bent, and just feel the sensation of being able to slide your hand underneath your low back so your back is in an anterior tilt. And then remove your hand and go into a posterior tilt. And then you find neutral. Neutral is the place where you should be. Once you're in neutral, then you draw the navel towards the spine without going into that posterior tilt of the hip and the pelvis. And that's, that's where you need to be. And let me just say this one thing. I find this to be a very powerful tool, number one, for golfers with back injuries and back pain, which is about 63% of golfers. And number two, yep. it's really a powerful tool for females that need to generate more power, for, for women golfers. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, and, 
again, let me just sort of recap here very quickly, and, and then I know we've got to uh, we've got to wrap it up, and I want to give each of you an opportunity to uh, direct the folks uh, wherever you'd like. Um, you know, really the purpose of these panel discussions, as I said, you know, it's great we've all got videos or we've got great tips on blogs and, and things like that, but I, I wanted really to create this forum to get like-minded people together so that we can share these ideas and sort of give them one venue um, that they can, you know, once a week come and listen to some of the great uh, instruction like, like Pete and Clint are doing tonight and, and of course, uh, Catherine yourself uh, in, in giving some great uh, fitness tips for those golfers out there. And, you know, some of the great feedback that I get from some of the listeners, because um, they'll email me or message me or what have you through social media, is they like the fact that we're covering a lot of areas that they don't always see. You know, um, one of the things I, I wanted to get away from on this show was, and we kind of started that way in the beginning when we started the Coach's Corner panel, is some of the traditional you know, fixing the slice or fixing the hook or, and so on and so forth and getting a little, giving them a little bit more meat and potatoes, if you will, each week. And this is what I try to do um, when I have you guys on is giving them a little bit more information and then they can go and research or contact whoever they choose um, beyond that point. And I think you guys have done a fantastic job tonight. So um, thank you for that. And unfortunately, we don't have any more time. I know Catherine, I said I had one more, um, but I'm going to have to pass and we'll have to do that another time. But um, Catherine, I'm going to let you well, start, because, and then we'll go backwards. Clint up all my time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Clint can get a little long in the. Can we're, Clint get a little long in the two. Oh, we're, we're, we both no, feel I love. that now. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it all, and I'm learning so much about my own golf game. So thanks, you guys. You bet. Yeah, I was actually going to ask Clint. Clint, I was in the middle of writing what you said in the last uh, segment uh, down, so I might have to get you to repeat that at some point so I can finish writing it you down. Just call me. You got um, my number. Catherine, we'll talk privately. I know. <laughs> All right, Catherine, I'm going to let ladies first. Um, where can the folks, if they want to reach out and, and learn more in a little more detail? I know you've got some great videos and, and some great um, uh, advice and tips. Uh, they can get a little more detail. Where can they go and, and how can they reach out if they want to contact you? Well, the website is yoga4golfers.com. And one of the things we have on there, I'll make this really brief, is called the Golfer's Profile. Golfer's Profile. It's on the upper right-hand corner. And if you click onto that, they'll ask you about 15 questions, everything from what are your strengths and challenges on the course, fitness level, et cetera. And this is all complimentary. And so once you fill out the Golfer's Profile, you will then receive five free um, video tips that will give you an introduction into the Yoga for Golfers program. And I really recommend that people do that, especially if they're new to yoga. You know, what's a bit mm -hmm. of a shock for people is that about 89% of our clients are male that would never step into a yoga studio. And I really want to make the distinction that what we're doing is not the yoga you find on a Groupon. It's 100% based on the biomechanics of the golf swing as well as the psychological right. challenges involved. Yeah, you, you have some great stuff but for sure. Um, Pete, uh, I'm going to let you go next. They can get me at plainsimplegolf.com. It's P-L-A-N-E. Uh, all my information is out there, uh, anything that uh, we're doing. And uh, I haven't paid attention. We're in the middle of revamping it. So coming in for 2018, you're going to see a whole new – a website with a lot of exciting things coming into it. So, you know, make sure you, you get out there and take a look. 
Perfect. Thank you as always, Pete. And Clint, uh, you know, if you can give me the short version, uh, how can the folks real quick, <laughs> uh, New website, upstatemarketing.com. They can find the TGM Golf Academy there. They can get me at clintgolf001 at yahoo.com. And I won't put in a plug here. It's unpaid and unsolicited. I went to Catherine's site, and anybody that's 50 years and older, if you don't go there and start doing some of these exercises, you got nobody to blame for your back troubles but yourself. Uh, it is a wonder. I've been doing some of it, and I can tell you, from a personal standpoint, it has benefited me greatly. So go, go give it a try. Oh, thank you, Hans. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I, you got my address in the I, check. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah. Thanks again. Yeah, I agree. No, it, you guys, uh, as always, uh, did a great job tonight, and I thank you for um, you giving of your time. It's very much appreciated. I, I know the the listeners enjoy it. Uh, I get lots of great feedback all the time. They enjoy the coaches' corner panel. It's uh, uh, among obviously, in addition to some great interviews, they they enjoy the panel discussions. Uh, and, and we all learn from one another. It's not just the listeners that learn, but we learn from one another as well. And it's a great way to exchange information and share some ideas that we can all uh, pick up and use. And, and uh, by all means, reach out to these three here because uh, they're among the best in the business, in my opinion. So, um, Catherine, Clint, and Pete, thank you very much again for being on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. And uh, have a great weekend. I look forward to you guys joining me again uh, real soon. Enjoy it again. Thank you. Thank you. It's, always, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. Have a great night. You too. All right. That was the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, Pete Buchanan, uh, Catherine Roberts, and, of course, uh, Clint Wright, my good uh, friend from South Carolina. He's uh, been on the show many, many times, as as has Pete. And, and Catherine now, of course, this year has uh, has also stepped up and uh, been on a number of, uh, of the shows as well. And I appreciate uh, – them giving of, of their time. All right, my next guest, uh, let me just remind everybody before I bring my next guest on, uh, we are live uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. And uh, always on the first hour, I always have uh, start things off, uh, unless otherwise stated, a, a Coach's Corner segment where I bring on a, a great panel like I did tonight, uh, some golf professionals uh, and fitness uh, professionals as well to, to really help all of you out there uh, gear up for a great golf season and I know that uh, many of you that have been tuning in uh, have enjoyed the segments very much so uh, again thanks to the panel and thank you for for all of your great feedback Um, but go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live or just type golf talk live up in the search key and that will take you to the main page and you can listen uh, during the live broadcast uh, on any uh, media platform uh, right there at your fingertips and for some reason if you're not able to join us live uh, not to worry, just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to the on demand section anytime after the shows have aired and you can listen to them in their entirety there. And all of the shows that have been aired so far are in that on demand section. So if you missed uh, tonight's show or maybe you missed last week's show, uh, you can go into that on demand section just by following that uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live link. Or you can also go to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com. And again, under the podcast section, just type in Golf Talk Live. And uh, for those of you that like to follow through uh, those uh, platforms as well, uh, you can do so. And just remember um, to tune in every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. All right, my next guest actually reached out to me 
probably a little over a month ago now. Uh, this gentleman is a very interesting gentleman. I wanted to bring him on. He's got a very unique and interesting story. Uh, his name is Dennis Jordan. He's uh, referred to as the golf dude in the basement, and we'll talk a little bit about that when he comes on. Uh, but let me just tell you a little bit about Dennis and a little bit about his background, and then I'll bring him on and we'll we'll continue our discussion here. Uh, Dennis was born in Philadelphia uh, back in December 12th, 1952. Uh, Dennis is the golf dude in the basement. Uh, he began playing golf at the age of 13 and uh, has been sharing his journey from competitive play to learning all he could and sharing it uh, with the world. Uh, Dennis has done everything from play, uh, as I said, competitive sports, including golf, uh, to recovering from an accident that nearly took his life. Uh, and that's really how it came about uh, that we uh, sort of met uh, over the uh, over the airways, if you will, and why he's on here tonight. Uh, and really through his integrity and, and, uh, and, and just fight, if you will, uh, really has been showing the rest of us that no matter what life throws at you, uh, with some drive, perseverance, and a lot of hard work, you can achieve anything. And if you were to ask Dennis how he feels right now, he'll answer you like Tony the Tiger. Great. And uh, he's just a, an interesting gentleman. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about how he came up with the Golf Dude in the Basement. But uh, let me bring on my very special guest tonight, uh, Mr. Dennis Jordan. Good evening, Dennis, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Ted, how are you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, Dennis. Uh, thank you for joining me tonight. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And as I was alluding to the to the listeners uh, a little bit earlier on uh, in, in the uh, the intro, you and I have, of course, talked uh, many, many times on the phone in preparation for tonight. And let me just clarify, just so people understand um, a little bit better, Dennis, and then we'll get into to some of the questions that we put together. Um, okay. As I mentioned, Dennis, of course, was was involved uh, a few years back in a uh, a very severe accident that, uh, as I mentioned, nearly took his life. Uh, he has uh, really suffered from not only physical injuries uh, but traumatic uh, traumatic brain injury as well. And I'm happy to say that he, uh, through our discussions, that he has probably achieved about at this point about 80 to 85 percent recovery he's still got a little little ways to go but uh, as i mentioned with some of his hard work and perseverance i have no doubt he'll be back to 100 percent in no time um but dennis i want to go back a little bit um as i mentioned you grew up in philadelphia pa uh playing all kinds of major sports uh, but didn't start playing golf till about 13 what about right. the game of golf what about the game of golf appeal to you? What did you like about golf and why did you decide to start playing? Well, that's a cool question. Uh, number one, there was a ball. If there's a ball in the sport, I played with the exception of soccer. Never played soccer. I played stickball, wall ball, basketball, football, halfball, Hose ball, box ball, fastball, step ball. If there was a ball, mm. Dennis Jordan played it, and I was good at every one. Now, mm. golf, I got to 13. Me and my father, my father would say, hey, get down here in the basement. And we would watch Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. And yep. that's how it all got started. Yeah, you had. Um, I, I, I believe, you know, I believe that's the first time I saw Ben Hogan. And what, what set Ben Hogan apart? I mean, 
you look at Shell's wonderful will of golf, you know, they had all the stars on there. What set Ben Hogan apart? One thing, the hat. My father used to wear hats like that. Mm-hmm. So I saw Ben Hogan the first time, I think when I was 13 years old. And since I played all those ball sports, and I was very, very good at all of them, I just said to myself, what the heck? I can play that sport. And that's how it all started. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know, through our conversations, Dennis, what really impressed me, um, I think, the most about uh, a lot of your story is that um, you you rose to the challenge. Um, no matter what you did in life, you always rose to the challenge. You know, a lot of people uh, live their life in fear. They don't always um, try something because they don't think they're going to be very good. But you, you dismissed all that, and you rose to the challenge and, uh, and obviously, and we'll talk a little bit more about golf in a second, but um, that was one of the things that impressed me about a lot of our conversations that we've had over the last uh, month or so. Um, now, the golf dude, and I, I know, and let me just uh, clarify just for the audience uh, that are tuning in tonight, just to, so that you understand um, where we are here. As, as I mentioned just a moment ago, um, you know, Dennis, as I said, was involved in a, in a severe accident uh, a few years back. And uh, so obviously there, there might be uh, some issues where um, certain parts of his memory or, or not, it may not be fully uh, there. So, you know, if, if for some reason he's, um, you know, not, uh, not able to recall 100%, uh, I just want people to understand that. Um, and the reason why I say that is my next question was one of the things that um, when I was doing my research uh, on the golf dude in the basement idea was kind of originated from a movie, Wayne's World. Um, tell Correct. us a little bit about that. We, yeah, Wayne's World, of course, was uh, two Canadians that, uh, uh, or not Canadians, uh, that got together and, and did a, um, a program, a movie, if you will, called Wayne's World uh, out of their basement. So tell us a little bit about that uh, background and, and how that was sort of a, a, an inspiration for uh, Golf Dude in the Basement. Ted, that's a fantastic question. And in one episode of my video, videos, I'll give you the truthful answer. So here it comes. I don't know. I got no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when you, when you brought that up the other day, I laughed my butt off. I laughed my butt off for an hour. So what I do, I had to get it on YouTube, and I had to look up Wayne's World, and I saw Damon Carvey do it. Foxy lady, and I almost passed out. I was laughing so hard. So then I do what I normally do. I investigate, and I saw where that song was originally done by the great, the great Jimi Hendrix. So yes. it, that just made my day. Now, the, the whole Wayne's World concept, sure, I had that idea back then, but you aced that pop quiz. I don't remember. I don't remember how right. I did it. What I do know is, and you are absolutely correct in this, I have been goal-oriented my whole life. And I've nailed 90% of them. I'm not perfect, but (laughs) I got an A. So I just felt, I guess, just to put it in a certain amount of uh, concise thing here, I just want to do something special. I loved the game. I had this idea, and bingo, that's what happened. 
Yeah, just to let the folks know, maybe I can clarify a little bit for you and, and help you, but um, Wayne's World, of course, was essentially about two guys that, that started a, uh, a program in the basement of their, of their home. And essentially, this is what you did uh, as Golf Dude in the basement, was uh, really a way of, of reaching out to people and, and helping people um, from things that you learned about golf and sharing that information, as I mentioned in the opening thing. So that's really kind of in a simple way of how you came up with uh, with the golf dude in the basement from from our conversations. Right. Now, right. Uh, I wanted to go to the next yeah to the next question here. Maybe you can you can get into a little bit more specifics. Um, you literally built a practice facility in your basement. Um, you had all kinds of different things that that you used and 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 as training aids and, and so forth. Can you share from from your best recollection recollection? what some of those training aids were um, that you do have um, that you can recall that helped yeah, you with, sure. uh, understand and play golf? There, there's no doubt in my mind on that one. One training aid, one training aid, and that is, I got that from Mr. A.J. Burnham, the impact bag. That was it. A.J. invented that thing when he was in college. He just wanted to practice when he was in the dorm. He put his laundry in a laundry bag and just pounded up and down the hallway. Hence, the idea of impact bag was invented. He told me that, and I, I'm a very brilliant man. I said, I got to get you one of those things, and boom, you can see it <laughs> in the basement. I, I use it in some of my episodes. So right. let's, let's go. Let's flash forward. I work on my golf mm -hmm. game every day. Now, what exactly do I do in this kind of decline physical state? I have a two-iron and a driver out in the backyard. I nail that impact bag 50 times a day. I actually count how many times I hit it. What do I do just by banging a bag? You're going to love this one. I try to draw. I try to hit low draws and tall draws. My, famous, my favorite shot was a tall draw. That's it. And what comes to a two iron, what do I do? I just nail the son of a gun. <clears throat> nail it. Yep. <clears throat> and that's it. Well, and, and I think what, what from again, from our conversations that we've had, you know, really what you were trying to do was draw on the knowledge that you had learned along the way and sort of create a, a regiment, if, if you will, uh, of learning the game and becoming successful at the game. And by by sort of doing these different training exercises and things that you did, and then of course you shared it through. And we'll talk about your DVDs in a, in a little bit. But um, you know, you shared a lot of things that you did, and and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you learned from AJ as well, uh, and why you you respect him. Um, but you know, you wanted to get better at the game. You, I, I guess probably the simplest way to put it, Dennis, is um, that no matter what challenge was put in front of you, um, whether it was a sport, whether it was in business life or what have you, you always wanted to give it 100, uh, you know, and 50%, if you will. And this is what you did when, when uh, learning and developing your golf game. And um, again, um, you came up with the idea of golf uh, dude in the basement um, as a way of, of sharing that information uh, with 
you know uh, anybody that uh, that was able to to tune in. Um, now golf something, is of course. Something, so, yeah, something about me ahead. and my personality. When it comes to something like that, <laughs> I don't want to get good at it. I want to master it. Simple as that. Right. Yeah. And 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 you know your personality just again from talking with you, it's very evident. Um, as I said, with, with all facets of your life. And, and I want people to uh, – I just want to go back just a little bit, uh, Dennis, and then we're going to move forward into the next question. But I just want the folks listening to really appreciate what it is that I'm trying to express here tonight about your story. This is a man who's you know now in his 60s um, who has been an athlete um, for most of his life up to this point, who has been a successful businessman and was met – with what can only be described as a major setback, and yet you didn't allow that to defeat you. You actually rose to the challenge uh, once again and have continued on your journey. You haven't let it set you back and say, okay, well, you know, that's it. I've done what I can do, and, and I, I'm just going to sit here and, and enjoy my golden years. You actually said, no, I'm going to overcome um, this next challenge, and that was, of course, your recovery, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I, I want to talk about. I got, yep. Let me let me add something here. I always say this, even to this day. I have never given up on anything, and I ain't going to stop. Start now. Simple as that. Right. Yep. Well said. Now, Dennis, you and I both know that golf is a def uh, is is a very difficult game, even for the best of us. Um. I want to ask you, it's a two-part question. What came easy yeah. to you, if, any, if anything, and what was the toughest in learning the golf uh, game? What was the easiest for you, and what was the toughest? Easy question, easy question. One of my episodes, I, I nailed the first part of that question. When I was standing in line in heaven, God said to St. Peter, St. Pete, this dude's got a lot of stuff messed up in his head. Sprinkle some extra hand-eye coordination on them. And St. Peter said, you've got it, God. I have got the best hand-eye coordination of anybody in the world. Simple as that. When I played any sport, what I rely on? Hand-eye, hand-eye, hand-eye. That was it. That's the simplest part of the game, hand-eye. The toughest part of the game, there is no tough part. The game is pure. It is perfect. All you have to do is to work at it. There's no tough part. You just have to work at it. I was at my sister's house about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. We were having a get-together. There's about a half dozen guys in their 20s, 30s. They're getting ready to leave. And I just put my dude face on. I get to the foyer, and I just <laughs> tell those guys to stop. Stop what you're at. And they stop. I get their all attention. I say, okay, how many of you dudes play golf? About three or four of them raise their hand. I say, okay, pay attention. Do you remember the first time your father showed you how to use a hammer? Okay, they all nod. Do you remember the time first your father showed you how to use a screwdriver? Yes, yes, yes. Do you remember the first time you used a ruler at school? Yes. How about a slide rule? Yes. How about a microscope? Yes. How about a sledgehammer when you got older? Yes. How about the first time you chopped a log with an axe? Yes. 
at a golf club in my hand. John, you are using a tool. This right here is a tool. Meeting adjourned, enough said. Handshakes, you name it. Would it would it be safe to say, Dennis, that most people, especially amateur players, make golf? I mean, golf certainly is a difficult sport. There's no doubt about it. Some it comes easier than others. But would you would it be safe to say? Would this be an accurate statement that most amateurs make it out tougher than what it really is, in your opinion? That's not an accurate statement. It's a perfect statement. Yes, they make it tougher, and one of the reasons they make it tougher. <laughs> Quite frankly, it's because all the BS out there about how you're supposed to play. Right. You don't have to read. You don't have to read a book to figure out how to swing a sledgehammer. How do you do that? You watch somebody. You observe. You ask some questions, and boom, you know <clears throat> how to do it. Simple as that. Yep. Yep. Well said. Um, now you credit. You mentioned him already. But uh, I want to uh, let you talk a little bit more about him because I know he's uh, somebody that's important to you. Uh, you credit uh, yeah. golf professional AJ Boner uh, as helping right. you the most with your golf game. What did you learn right. from him? Tell him how he helped. Obviously, he's a golf professional uh, and, and teaches out in California. What uh, What did you learn from him uh, that's helped you with your game? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. And it gets back to what I've already said. I'm repeating myself, but I do that a lot. AJ taught me how to use the tool. Not specifically, no lessons, not do this, do that, do that, do that, do that. He just told me a thousand times, dude, use the tool. Now, mm-hmm. I'm no genius, but I'm no dummy either. That man would say, use the tool. Use that tool to make that ball go where you want it, and how you want it to get there. Phew, that was it. Yep. Now, to get back to me meeting AJ, one summer, for some unknown reason, I did, I don't know, I saw something about Zevo Golf. I met up with AJ, and I was hired by Zevo Golf. I think we had like one road trip together in New Jersey. I was in Maryland at the time. Now, we would stop at country clubs, golf courses, and A.J., and this is what amazed me about A.J. He tried to help the 50 handicappers become 40, the 40s, 30s, 20s, 15s, yada, yada, yada. You know, he, he wanted to help people. That's the key word, just help. He yeah. didn't worry about grip. He didn't worry about stance. He didn't worry about spine angle. He didn't worry about your butt sticking out so far. He didn't worry about the X factor. Right. He didn't worry about winding and spiraling and all that BS. He just wanted to help these people use the tool. Bingo. Use the tool. Now, we're at some demonstration at Country Club. AJ fits the pro for a driver, Zebo driver. The pro is just killing the ball, killing the ball. All of a sudden, AJ turns to me. He says, dude, get over here. I'm going to fit you for a driver. I'm saying to myself, holy moly, do I got to do this? I got to hit shots in front of AJ, <laughs> shots in front of this great professional? What am I going to do now? Well, there's only one thing to do. AJ fits me for a driver. So I hit five drives. I don't hear any oohs or ahs. 
Nobody's passing out. I had five guys. They looked good. They felt good. That was it. That night, AJ and I, we had dinner. And I just, I have to ask him a question. And I say, AJ, what would you think of my mood? I'm eating a steak. He's eating pancakes or waffles, something like that. And he looks at me and he says, dude, you have one of the best moves I've ever seen. Boom. So that was a big part right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that, that says a lot coming from a you know, golf professional who sees all kinds of um, folks out there and deals with all kinds of lessons all the time. That, that's a great right. compliment to, to pay to somebody. Um, and, and you're exactly right. I just want to make the point a little bit further. Um, you know, there's lots of great golf instruction out there, and, and I've always said that I think the simpler that we keep it as instructors for our students, I think the better. I think one of the one of the criticisms that I've had, and I, I certainly uh, have, have no issues with some of the technologies out there and some of the theories, but I think if we overcomplicate things, which I think in some cases it's gotten, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that have become frustrated. And I, I think you're, what AJ told you was right is use the tool. Um, you know, that's, that's how you really get better is by using the tool, and that's, of course, the, the club. Um, and there's certainly some great training aids out there that can help, uh, like the impact bag and, and so forth. But I think sometimes, as I, I said earlier to you, um, is that I think a lot of students make it tougher on themselves by trying to absorb too much information. Would you agree with that, Dennis? I think you're absolutely correct. Absolutely. We make it tougher than it has to be. We're looking for the cosmic forces. There are no cosmic forces. Use the darn tool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Um, you almost got me on that one, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, I almost got you on that one. Um, you know, again, Dennis, and, and uh, this next question I know is going to be a little bit tougher for you, and um, but I, I think it's important that, that, you know, because it really sets the tone uh, of what I want to talk about here tonight um, and really what inspired me about your story. Um, as I said earlier in the opening credits, uh, you know, you were involved in an accident that really, right. um, as you, you've expressed, that a lot of the doctors that, that you've been to and a lot of the experts um, were, were concerned that they didn't know if you were going to uh, recover physically or even uh, mentally, as we talked about. Um, you know, you, you've right. suffered uh, here for uh, the last few years of, with uh, traumatic uh, brain disorder, and that's not an easy thing. But we had a conversation, I think, about two weeks ago, and um, you, know, you had shared some, some great news uh, from, from some of the medical profession. What, All in right. your mind... Um, has amazed you most about your recovery because that's not e an easy thing. I mean, you you literally had had some challenges to overcome. And as I said a few moments ago, uh, you you said to me the other day that you you feel that you've gotten about maybe eighty to eighty five percent recovery. What's amazed yeah. you the most about your recovery so far? Specifically about my recovery, nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing has amazed me. I'm just doing my thing simple as that. Yep. I'd like to talk my, about my accident. Can we do that? 
Sure, yes, yes, by all means, go ahead. Okay. All right. It was 9 a.m., 11-14-2012. I was walking across the street. I got ran over by a car. I was like 12 feet onto the street. My body was thrown back to the sidewalk. I did a vertical landing on the sidewalk. I landed on my head. Traumatic brain injury. Broken back, broken sternum, crushed pelvis like my hero, Ben Hogan. The The doctor did a great job. There's no doubt in my mind. My traumatically injured mind. But they did a great job. One doctor told my son that I'm going to die. Well, Jesus Christ had other plans. Jesus Christ saved my life. Mm -hmm. Doctor did a good job. But for some doctor to tell my son that I'm going to die, that doctor never wants to see me. Yeah. No, I... You're you're exactly right, and I, I know this is a difficult part uh, of the of the story, and and um, but you're you're doing a great job. You know, Dennis, what makes your story so truthfully, so truly inspiring is, um, you know, you have a, a, a incredible love, um, not only for the game of golf, but a, a, an incredible love of life. And you know, as I alluded to earlier in our conversation, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that can draw some inspiration. If nothing else, um, for getting golf aside, could draw inspiration from your story because um, there are a lot of folks out there that have maybe had their own challenges or own tragedies, as we talked about on the phone, you and I. Uh, many uh, of our military, of course, that are coming back with, with different afflictions, whether it be physical or, or mental or both. Um, and some of them, you know, hopefully, maybe some of them are tuning into the show tonight and can can draw something from your experience. Um, and what I what most impressed me about you, Dennis, was that you refused to give up on yourself, and you rose to the challenge, as I mentioned earlier, and said, you know what, I don't care what happened. It's unfortunate that it happened but it's not going to let me stop from living. I'm going to continue to do what I enjoy doing, and and that's what you're doing uh, and why you've recovered the way you have. Obviously, you've had some divine help, of course, but um, you know you have risen to that challenge because that's who you are. That's who God made you to be, was somebody that never gave up and always uh, rose to whatever challenge was put in front of you. This was just simply another challenge, as great as it was, um, and you've done that very well, and uh, you, you certainly should be proud of that. I actually have a term for that, and that term is Jordan DNA. Yep, You're, you got that right. All right, I want to move on to, um, well said, by the way, um, Dennis. I, I want to ask you, because you, you've mentioned them, and, and you uh, maybe you can share a little bit as, as best you can, um, there's a lot of similarities. Let me just set this up first, and I'll ask you the question. Um, there's obviously a lot of similarities between um, what happened to you and obviously um, what happened to Ben Hogan. Um, as most of you know, the story of Ben Hogan, of course, uh, you know he 
suffered severe injuries as well and was able to, to bring himself back and, and go on and win many tournaments. Um, so there's a lot of uh, similar history in that respect. Um, but you wrote a letter to Ben Hogan, and, of course, he wrote you back. Can you share a little bit, as best you can, uh, what, do you, what did you and Ben Hogan say to one another? Great question. Uh, it was just one of those moments in my life, you know? And I, I don't know why I did it, but I got to a point. I was a very successful businessman, very successful. I was in the business world. I was like Ben Hogan on a golf course. I mean, I dominated. I dominated. I got to a point where I just asked myself the question. And the question was, dude, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And there was only one answer. One answer. That was to, to seek out the hawk, Ben Hogan. Yep. So uh, I, I do this on my DVD. I, I talk perfectly. I just found his, got the address of Shady Oaks. And I couldn't find his home address. I didn't want to send it to the factory because the factory had people just to, they hired people just to, to read his mail and to throw it out or whatever. So I was very smart, very, very smart. I sent it to a pro shop at Shady Oaks. I marked it personal and confidential, Ben Hogan. I knew that mm-hmm. letter was going to get to Ben Hogan. Now, to address your question, it was 20 handwritten pages. And basically, I just wrote an autobiography somewhat to Mr. Ben Hogan. I told him everything I could. Mm-hmm. Everything everything that I thought would mean something to him. So, right. just telling you, it amazes me. I, I get it in, I put it in the mail, personal and confidential, knowing that oh, nobody's going to stop that letter from getting to Ben Hogan's hands especially since I sent it to the pro shop. Pretty clever there. Yep. I wait a week, second week, third week. I'm on my way from busting my butt at work. I get to the uh, to the mailbox, open up the mailbox, boom, there it is. The letter with the AMF logo in the left-hand corner. Hmm. Now, what did Mr. Hogan say to me? He just, Hogan had a, Mr. Hogan, excuse me, Mr. Hogan had a very precise way of writing letters. The letter had about four paragraphs in it, and he basically just thanked me for the beautiful letter. He wished me well in my, my endeavors. He used that word endeavors. I use it to this day. Mm -hmm. And he signed it. No, and then he said he was just divesting himself from outside responsibilities. He wished me well, and he signed it, Sincerely, Ben Hope. Hmm. Now, obviously, that's something that you uh, most certainly would value. I mean, this was really uh, a gentleman of the game that a lot of people admired. He's done a lot in his day uh, to inspire so many uh, of the golfers even today um, you know, we still talk about Ben Hogan and and, uh, and and the great player that he was, and obviously the, the gentleman that he was. So obviously that carries a very special, um, you know, meaning to, for somebody in, in Ben Hogan's position um, to answer, because that's something that a lot of 
people may not do, but Ben Hogan, as you said, was certainly a true gentleman, and uh, and he wrote back, and that was great of him to do so. And obviously, that's something that meant a lot to you. Ted, in my rehab, I have reached out to people. I have written letters, letters. I've written many, many emails to people that I was friends with. Mm-hmm. They don't respond. They don't respond. Ben Hogan, yep. in my opinion, the greatest golfer of all time. He responded. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. That that that's a testament to his character and the the, the type of person he was. And and you know another uh, golfer that comes to mind that was very much like that was of course the late Arnold Palmer, um, also uh, a, a gentleman not only in uh, during his play but uh, even outside of play. He often as well uh, responded to all of the letters that he received, and that was just a, a great way of connecting with with the people that that enjoyed and followed his his game and i think that's a great memento that you received and and uh and you're certainly very lucky um that uh to have something like that uh, what a great memory uh for you to have um yeah, so let me ask you that uh, no excuse yep, me use the word memory getting back to my traumatic brain injury and we discussed this on the phone i can remember watching my father get a golf shot when i was four years old I can remember things that amazed me. Two years before I was ran over, and like three years after I was ran over, it's like somebody just erased a chalkboard. Nothing. Yeah. So when somebody used the word memory, my brain just, it's like a lightning bolt. Boom. Yeah, and that's... And and that's just obviously part of the process uh, of the recovery as well. As time goes on, you're going to start to remember more and more. Um, and, you know, I think, as I said earlier, um, you know, with so many of the things that you've done, um, and, and a lot of people might wonder, you know, the purpose of this story really is really twofold. It's not only just about your personal story, but there's a message that a lot of people can take away from, from your story, Dennis, and that is this, is no matter what, you know, whether you're out in the golf course or in life in general, um, you're going to be faced with difficult situations. Golf, and you and I talked about this, golf mimics life in so many ways. You get out on the golf course and you see some trouble, whether it be a, a fairway bunker or a greenside bunker, or maybe you've got water running down the left or water uh, crossing, uh, creek crossing the, the fairway there's going to be difficult challenges uh, along the way. And much like life, you're going to uh, have challenges that you have to overcome. And one of the things that, that for those listening to the show tonight, I want them to take away from your story is you're not just somebody that has pursued the game of golf. I mean, you played um, competitive golf, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, and you've also played it for fun. Um, but you're someone that has never run away from a challenge. Uh, and so for those that are out there that are maybe struggling with their golf game, Dennis, what advice would you like to give them um, on on not giving up? What would you say to them? On not giving up. Okay. One of my favorite words is this. I learned it when I was in high school. Diligence. Just be diligent. Work at it. Work it. 
mastery using the tool. Okay? It's as simple as that. The impact bag will help you. Pounding balls on the range will help you. When I was basically in my heyday trying to qualify for U.S. Open, for some reason, I stopped wearing a golf glove. And I'd be on the range, and I'd spend hours on the range. Hours, hours, hours. Several occasions, what happened? My left hand would bleed. Calluses, blisters, blood. You just have to, it's like, you know, here's, here's the really, really unique thing about God. It's like everything you did in life. I point this out in my DVD. Yep. Remember the first time you walked? Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. You took a few steps, you fell on your ass. You're trying to get your mother arms. Yep. What did you do? <laughs> you stood up and you walked and you made it to your mother's arms. Now, how in the heck mm-hmm. did you figure that out? You just did it. You did it. Yep. Simple yep. as that. Great. Yeah, you're exactly right. It is simple. Um, you know, Dennis, you've had really, um, uh, and obviously we don't have time to share uh, all the stories, and, and I want them to obviously uh, be able to get your DVDs, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But you've had a very interesting life um, thus far, uh, certainly filled with some challenges, but interesting nonetheless. What's next uh, for the golf dude in the basement? You talked about uh, on the phone here recently some, some projects that you want to work on. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit uh, with the uh, listeners tonight. Yeah, sure. Number one, I'm going to get on YouTube, Golf Dude at the Beach. Now I changed not no more basement stuff, Golf Dude at the Beach. I now live in Huntington Beach. Number two, I'll be doing a website, GolfDudeAtTheBeach.com. And number three, and this is a big one, I will be creating more DVDs. I've already purchased a camera, all the accessories, and I'm almost there. I'll be doing it from my backyard. Simple as that. Uh, so that's my plans for for myself for the future. Now, yeah. uh, go ahead, Ted. What I was going to say, and, and the reason why I wanted to ask you that is uh, I wanted to lead in, because so, people are probably wondering, you've heard, uh, you've mentioned a couple times about the DVDs, and I've mentioned it as well. Um, basically what Dennis has done uh, in the past, and this is what he's gearing up to do again, is he created uh, a couple of DVDs uh, about his journey and experiences, and um, obviously entitled Golf Dude in the Basement. Uh, now he's going to take it a step further and, and, uh, and call it Golf Dude at the Beach, um, was sort of the next phase of this, but um, and obviously we want them to, to go out and, and purchase the DVDs because it, it shares a lot of the, the, the stories and that that obviously we, we don't have time to do tonight, but um, we want them to experience that. So um, where can they go um, for right now? Where can they go and get these DVDs? And then once you have your website up, I know you're going to be offering them uh, on the website as well, but where can they go and get uh, these DVDs? <laughs> Right now, I'm just going to tell the people out there, I'm in the process of getting some manufactured that will exact copies of what I originally did. And that will be done in the next 30 days. Now, when it comes to business, I am a genius. I'm going to find video distributors to get those videos out into the public easy. But... That's going to take me some work. 
and gee whiz, I think I can figure that out. What I'm going to do in the next 30 days, once I get them manufactured, is I'm going to put them on eBay. And they're going to be at a very, very good price. So that answers your question, then. Yep, sure does. Um, and I'll I'll uh, be more than happy to, to spread the word once you've got that in place. Um, the DVDs obviously have been available in the past, but I know, and I won't get into specifics, but uh, I know you're making some changes there, and, and we don't need to get into that, those specifics here. But um, um, but obviously the listeners, uh, I want them to uh, uh, to definitely keep an eye out for those DVDs and the future DVDs that you're going to be making. Um, you've done a lot of great work, um, Dennis, and uh, I think it's great what you're doing. Um, you've Again, you've sought the, and risen to the challenge not only to, to learn this game and, and play it at a high level, um, but you've had to relearn a little bit um, just because of, uh, obviously, the injuries that you sustained. And uh, right. I like the fact that, that you've got that um, uh, that inspiration, if you will, uh, to keep moving forward, and uh, I give you a lot of credit for that. The, the, the inspiration is a cool thing. I just love referring to it as George DNA. Simple. That's right. I, I agree. Uh, you, agree. You, 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 used, you used the word amazing. What, what is amazing? Mm-hmm. There's several special things that have happened, and I want to share them with you and the audience. Okay. Number one, my son used to work for me when I was in the electrical industry. I only hired one salesman, my son. We had four people in our company, four. Our competition had eight, nine, ten, you name it. How did we do? How did my company do? We dominated, just like Mr. Hogan. We dominated. Now, how the heck did I do that? I formed relationships with the people who placed the big orders. Simple. Yep. So, here I go. I get ran over. A doctor tells my son I'm going to die. Jesus Christ saves my life. Go to hospitals, doctors, you name it. One time I slipped into a coma. A coma. So, my son, he gets together with a friend, and they move to Houston. And they start an automobile company that works on automobiles, rehabs them, does this, does that. You, know, you name it. My son can do that to an automobile. I mean, I don't care. You name it. He can do it. I have read an article written about my son in Super Street Magazine. This article is surreal. Surreal. I mean, it talks about my son, that he has a dream, that he has a goal. Mm-hmm. And I read those words, and I said, man, I love this. My son, when it comes to a car, is a genius, a genius. Now, when it comes to business, my son is a very, very intelligent man. Now, I can hear your audience out there now. How the heck does he know that? I trained him. So I know. My mm-hmm. son has this great business in Houston, Texas with a buddy of his. Great business. It's flourishing. It's growing. 
They're nailing it. They're nailing it. What's my son do? He told that business to hit the bike. And he came out here to help me. I want to bring it to your attention to all your listeners. You just go to YouTube and you look up Godzilla Nissan. You look for a little episode there that's two minutes and eight seconds long. Two minutes, eight seconds. Now, I looked at it yesterday. That episode has been viewed over 725,000 times. There's one man in that, my son. So there you go. Yep. I'm proud and, of Yeah. Yep. And I know that you had mentioned to me too, uh, Dennis, that, you know, he's uh, come back to, to help you through this difficult time for yourself and, and had to give up, um, you know, obviously a lot to do that. But, uh, you know, and, and it's understandable, you know, you're his father. Um, but that just shows, and again, a further testament not only to you as a father, um, and the relationship that you have with your son, um, Dennis. I want you to uh, to keep me posted on on uh, on all your future endeavors, and I think it's fantastic. And I'm glad that you came tonight and shared the story with my audience. Um, okay. As I said, Dad, you, know, you know. Dad, excuse yep. me. I have one more endeavor endeavor that I would like to share. It's very important. Okay. About about okay. a week ago, I saw where uh, David Faraday lost his son, Shay, to drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And that just caught my eye. It caught my eye. So I wrote David Faraday a letter. I mailed it, I think, this Monday. Mm-hmm. I, ex- I expressed my sympathy to him. And I just felt his pain and sorrow. I told him a little bit about me and what had happened to me. But the most important part, Ted is that I have lost a niece about nine months after I was rattled to drug abuse. Before that, I lost a nephew, drug abuse, heroin. In 2006, I lost a very good friend, drug abuse. So I wrote David this letter. I'm going to read to you the final paragraph. This is tough. Bear with me. Yep, go ahead. David, I have been granted a destiny. Like you, I must fight the drug abuse problem. We can actually be a great team. In our cases, there is no need of any further motivation. That is the truth. I am now living in the Huntington Beach, California. My door is always open to you and yours. My son-in-law is a Hall of Fame surfer. All surfing lessons on me. I actually have plans to visit Fort Worth in the near future. I need to meet you, shake your hand, and talk to you. David, please get back to me. May God bless you and your family. Sincerely, Dennis F. Jordan. Was a great, uh, a great uh, reach out by you, Dennis. Um, you know, to uh, to Faraday. You know, obviously that's that was a tough loss for anybody. 
um, especially to, to lose a son um, or any family member or even friend uh, to something like that. And it, again, and just shows a testament to your character, uh, Dennis, that, that you would reach out to, uh, to somebody like that and just uh, express, uh, you know, a hand of friendship, if you will. Uh, and, and that just, again, uh, is a testament to, uh, to the type of uh, individual that you are. Um, Dennis, un- unfortunately, our time is up. I've enjoyed having you on tonight. And as I said to you um, before, and as I'll say to you again, um, truly an inspirational story. I have no doubt that you've got many uh, great uh, endeavors ahead of you. And I hope that you'll keep me posted uh, as as things transpire, and I'll do my best to help spread the word. But uh, I want to thank you, dude, for for coming on tonight on Golf Talk Live and sharing your story uh, with my audience. Ted, it was an honor to be on your show. I need 20 more seconds. Instant Carmen is going to All right, go you. ahead. It's going to, it's going to knock you right in the head. You better get yourself together. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to be dead. Not. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Boom. <laughs> All right, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. My, uh, my good friend, Dennis Jordan, the golf dude in the basement and soon to be the golf dude in the beach. Uh, stay tuned for that. We'll keep you posted. Dennis, my friend, you have a great evening, and, and thank you and God bless for uh, for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate uh, and and thank you for sharing your story. It was an honor for me, Ted. Thank you. All right. You have a great evening. Right. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guest, um, Dennis Jordan, the golf dude in the basement. Um you know, again, let me just sort of clarify a little bit. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to share this story uh, tonight is um, Dennis is a is a is a gentleman who has, as he uh, attested to this evening, has enjoyed a, a great amount of uh, success over the years, uh, both as a businessman but also uh, as a golfer. And uh, uh, although some of his uh, recollections can be a little sketchy at times, um, understandably so with all he's gone through. Um, again, the real message in this story tonight, um, and the reason I wanted to share it was, um, you know, Dennis is, is obviously uh, doing his best to overcome a, a tremendous hurdle. This is somebody who has played um, golf uh, for since the age of 13. He's now in his 60s, uh, enjoyed and loved and had a passion for this game uh, and unfortunately had um, uh, an accident um, a while back that has um, put him in a position that he's had to, in some ways, had to start over a little bit. Um, but he's risen and, and sought the challenge uh, to do so. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, again, uh, has has recovered um, pretty much about 80 85% and, and still increasing and, and getting better each week as, as we go by. So for those of you out there listening, um, you can draw from this experience and from Dennis Jordan, the golf dude in the basement. That's a very inspirational story. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more things to come uh, in the future. And as I said, we'll keep you posted on that. But I want to thank one last time Dennis Jordan, the golf dude in the basement, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. I also want to thank uh, Pete Buchanan, Catherine Roberts, and Clint Wright, uh, for joining me uh, earlier this evening on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, guys, as always, you did a fantastic job. Um, just uh, always amazed at, at uh, the hard work and, and dedication that you guys do each and every day, uh, helping uh, golfers uh, become better in their game, uh, helping them physically become better uh, and healthier. 
and uh, just keep up the great work. And thank you for sharing your time, as always, here on the Coach's Corner panel. And obviously, I would be remiss if I didn't thank all of the listeners uh, worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. Uh, I truly do, and I mean this sincerely. I have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teach professionals, authors, and entrepreneurs like I did tonight uh, stop by. And it's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped to make Golf Talk Live uh, a first-class show. So thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, for all of you, for, for doing that. A special thanks to the sponsors and supporters uh, of the program, Mr. Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide. Thank you, Jonathan, for all of your uh, continued support of the program. If you're interested in getting a copy or you're learning more about South Coast Golf Guide, uh, go to southcoastgolfguide.com. Uh, you can see a lot of the great information that's in the guide. Or if you're interested in getting a copy of the guide and maybe you're not down here uh, in the southeastern part of the United States right now, uh, for literally from Texas right over here to Florida, Uh, You can go to southcoastgolfguide.com and get the information there, or you can request a copy of the guide be sent to you. Uh, Jonathan will be more than happy to mail one out uh, or let you know where you can pick one up. If you're planning a trip down here in the southeast in the next uh, little bit, uh, you can get a copy. uh, Many uh, great uh, golfing facilities and uh, most of the uh, golfing stores like Edwin Watts and some of the other great uh, 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 golfing locations as well carry the guide there so just uh, go to South Coast Golf Guide and you can learn more about that uh, Meredith Kirk from MeredithKirk.com a great uh, LPGA teacher professional and uh, a great uh, young lady out in the Myrtle Beach uh, South Carolina area always uh, helping to grow the game and uh, especially in the, the junior ranks doing a lot of, of help in the, in the junior ranks as well so thank you Meredith for your continued support Mr. Uh, Nikki and his uh, lovely wife, Tiffany Litherland. Uh, Nikki, of course, is another great golf professional. Thank you for helping to spread the word over the years uh, about Golf Talk Live. I appreciate uh, your uh, well wishes and uh, and your continued support. Uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder, of course, uh, from OnTicGolf.com. Uh, Ontic Golf, of course, is a great line of customized putters that uh, Mr. Uh, Pinder has uh, created over the years and uh, if you're interested in learning more or maybe you want to get your hot little hands on one I've got one it's a great putter uh, go to ontickgolf.com and learn more about uh, the great uh, putting line that he has there uh, Sean Kelly of course the owner of linkedgolfers.com a great social media platform uh, Sean of course uh, developed the linked golfers uh, uh, golf group in LinkedIn which is a, a huge uh, social media network for business types uh, linked golfers is the largest golf group there. I think well over 40,000 members worldwide. Uh, he has brought that platform out to his own, uh, platform linkedgolfers.com. So make sure you check that out and learn more. Uh, Mr. Peter Doyle, uh, from Doyle golf solutions over in Ireland. Uh, thank you, Peter, for all of your continued support as well. Uh, great teach professional and great club fitter. Uh, thank you for all of your support over the years. And on that note, I look forward to seeing uh, or having you tune in next week uh, for another great uh, round of Coach's Corner and another interesting uh, and insightful interview. So I hope you'll join me. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. God bless, and I'll see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.